Welcome to the FitPro Podcast, a brand new initiative from FitPro for forward-thinking professionals who want the latest information while on the move. We hope you enjoy this week's pod, and for further information about today's podcast, head over to our social media pages and start the conversation. And to offer feedback and suggestions for future podcasts, get in touch with us at publish at fitpro.com. Welcome everybody to the FitPro podcast. I'm Jane Waller and today I'm here with John Polly. Now many of you will know John because he has done numerous blogs with us in our FitPro edit. He's written for our magazine and has even been involved in some of our podcasts. So if you'd like to know more about John, please visit our blog and learn more about him. But today I'm actually going to ask John because uh, we met a few months ago and he told me that in 2020 he was actually turning 50 and he was going to do 50 things in his 50th year. So, um, John, catching you out a bit here, but I'm going to ask you, um, what, what are some of the things you've achieved so far? Uh, hey, hey, Jane, yeah, that's absolutely, I'm calling it my 50 at 50. Um, so I've got some massive things on there that I haven't done. For example, you know, I'm going to run 50 kilometers on soft sand, I'll release my first book, I'll do my first keynote speech. But then there's smaller things, like, in fact, yesterday was my birthday, and the one that I knocked off my list yesterday was I wrote a poem for each of my children. Um, other things I've done are things like I've done an ocean paddleboard because I've only ever been on the river. I've done full body weight hanging for 50 minutes in a day, not 50 minutes consecutively, but 50 minutes in a day. And then I've just got a heap of ones that I do daily, you know, like um, be outdoors, move, be barefoot, uh, compliment someone, uh, make someone laugh. These are all kind of like daily activities. So I've yeah. got lots of dailies, weeklies, and then some singles. And it's it's proved to be quite a lot of fun. I thought it might be a bit of a stress and a burden, but it's actually been really good fun. Well, I suppose the biggest one is that you actually did turn 50. So that's, that's actually really good to know. <laughs> and you still have plenty of the year left to finish the other ones. So good luck. And um, if FitPro can do anything to support any of those, please let us know because you're a good friend to FitPro. And we would love to see you succeed. I'm sure you will have no doubt that you will achieve every single one of them. Um, but today we're actually talking to John um, about how the mental and the emotional and the physical systems influence each other. So, John, um, I guess my first question would be that obviously the mental and the physical state don't work in isolation. Um, and I think most people would agree to that. Um, but what do you mean when you refer to mental, emotional and physical systems and how... Uh, mental is different to emotional. Yeah, sure. I, I think really I'll start off by saying I've got this kind of almost like overriding principle that I teach when I'm teaching um, a lot of people in the industry, and that is that everything is connected to everything. And I don't just mean, um, you know, my right thumb is connected to my <laughs> left big toe continuously. By her. Yeah, exactly. And that's which is true. Um, but I also mean that, you know, from a three-dimensional perspective, I, I look at the three human dimensions being mental, emotional, and physical. So everything, all of those are connected to everything too. What we can't ignore is that when we are training a human being, that's exactly what we're training. We're not training a human body. So we're taking on a, a complete human soul and we need to understand that their mental world and their emotional world will massively affect their physical outcomes and their performance on that day. So mental for me is, 
It's literally, it's thought. It's the processing of information, cognition, understanding. Whereas emotional is much more about feelings, sensations, moods, um, expression of feelings. And of course, those are affected by thought and movement. So again, everything is connected <laughs> to everything. Yeah, makes complete sense. So which system, in your opinion, has more influence over another? For example, do you think our physical state or um, our mental and emotional state have the most impact on the performance of the body? Well, therein lies a massive question. <laughs> so for me, I've, I've looked at that and I've, you know, I've researched it a little bit and tried to get some really um, kind, of, kind of great, some, some thought patterns that kind of just link it all together and make sense for me. To say one is more important than the other is really difficult. And if you kind of allow me to kind of elaborate on that, this, this, I'll, I'll go a little bit nerdy just, just for a short period of time. So as an example, there is some research that shows that our posture, just our posture will affect our emotional state. So people have done uh, studies where people have adopted tall, open, brave style postures in walking and then slumped, hunched, kind of sad looking posters. And sure enough, the mood has followed the posture. And then you've got um, people's work like um, Amy Cuddy's work where she's looked at power posing. So she's looked at like the Wonder Woman pose and that pose where you sit back on your chair with your hands behind your head and your legs stretched out. They're power poses. And then the kind of more um, timid poses where people have just hunched over and looked down at the floor. And what she's found is that that posture, i.e. the physical body positioning, has affected the hormonal hormones. So in other words, you get a massive hit of testosterone when you're in a power posture within two minutes. So it, it went up by something like 20 or 25% in two minutes when you adopt a power posture. And cortisol went up by 15% when you adopt a, a kind of a sad and a timid posture. So just our body positions. So our physical body has affected our hormonal balance, which has therefore affected our emotions. <laughs> so our physical body will affect us emotionally. However, our, um, our interaction with stress will affect our physical performance. In fact, it'll affect our health. So if you look at um, things like uh, Kelly McGonagall's work, if you look up, Kelly, if people are listening to this, Kelly McGonagall, um, Making Stress Your Friend, would be a great TED Talk to listen to. So she's looked at stress and how much stress have people experienced and then looked at literally mortality rates across the next six years. Uh, and sure enough, people under more stress are more likely to die within the next six years. But more powerfully than that was that their attitude to stress were, made a 40% difference. So if, if people were under the same amount of high stress, if they saw it as a challenge rather than as a threat, they, they, <laughs> their longevity or their likeliness of dying in the next six years reduced by 40%. So in other words, their attitude to stress was the same as a result of thinking of it as a challenge rather than a threat. Their attitude to stress changed their um, mortality to that of someone who's experienced little or no stress. So then, so that's, a, that's an attitude, that's a belief system there. Mm -hmm. Then you go on to the other side and you, and you go, okay, then you've got 
exercise, but exercise does all these things. Exercise lowers depression, it boosts mood. The Australian government over here, they've looked at sport and they found if people are playing sport at least four times a week, reduce their psychological distress by 47%. So that's, that's exercise re reducing a psychological stress. Mm, mm. And then you look at high performance uh, coaches and they, there's a huge amount of work there where they've looked at emotional stress and a decrease in physical performance. So we know that mentally emotional, the mental emotional world and our belief systems affect your ability to perform as well as you just your body positions and the type of movement that you do change your uh, mental and emotional state. And one of the real, the really interesting stuff for me is like Bruce Lipton and Dr. Lisa Rankin's work. So Bruce Lipton is an award-winning cell biologist that ended up writing a book called the biology of belief where the chemicals in other words, the environment of our blood, change us at the cellular level so sure our environment of our blood might be affected by the way we move and what we eat but also it's still affected by our thought patterns and what we believe so if we are going through something and we see it as a very positive thing we have hormones released into our bloodstream that might be dopamine or oxytocin serotonin and that is communicated to the cell and the cell will react accordingly. But similarly, it could, we could be under a heap of stress as well. Again, we can't touch that stuff, but it affects us and changes the hormonal balance in our blood. It, it changes our environment. And sure enough, our, we are affected at the cellular level. And Dr. Lisa Rankin wrote a book called Mind Over Medicine. And she came from, a, from, a, from the medical field, um, treating patients, and they they were looking at going, oh, hang on, these patients should be dying. These patients should be surviving. And we're seeing the opposite happening. And it was purely based around what she found. It was purely based around what they were brought up to believe mm. and who they were meant to believe culturally. <laughs> so yeah. outcomes, that's physical outcomes affected yeah. by our mental world. So I, I think the, um, the answer to your question is it depends. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. Well, actually, here's, uh, this might be more relevant. I mean, if we're talking about emotional states. So if we're in an emotional low phase of our life, um, how that is going to have an, an effect on us physically, as you know, you've, you've just mm -hmm. um, informed us. And we, we know this. I mean, we experience it but we maybe yeah. don't verbalise it and understand it and then know how to use it. And I know we'll talk about that in a minute. But if we are in a, a, you know, an emotional low phase of our life, and this obviously not only us directly as exercise professionals, but also how it can affect our clients and our participants, how, would, how should we respond to that um, physically with regard to a training regime? That's another awesome question. Yeah. So uh, instantly I would come up with kind of a, a dual answer on that. So, so number one is if you're at emotional low phase, is it, is it kind of sadness, depression, but not necessarily uh, as a, uh, as a result of huge stress, uh, are you stressors in your life? Or is it as a result of a lot of stress in your life, your stress load as it were? Cause you know, I, I love this kind of, image of people saying, okay, you've got a, a stress bucket, you know, is, is, and it can only take so much in this bucket. So if you've already got some, you know, stress at work, for example, and then you've got, you know, um, some financial issues, and then you've got some relationship issues, 
Uh, then you've got an, a home environment that you're not really very happy with. And then your friendships are, are, are toxic. All of those things add stress into your world. So by the, by the time you get to physical exercise, there's not a lot of stress load that can be taken, even though exercise is a, is a positive stress or done correctly, it, it might not have served that purpose. Or it could be that actually you're just going through an emotional low phase and, and there may be, maybe not any obvious stressors. It is a stressor in itself, but your stress bucket is nowhere near as full. So bucket number one that is full, I would be looking um, as a training regime to do much more restorative style work. So in other words, I'd be looking at, okay, then where are the limitations in your body? Let's do some mobility work. Let's do some mind body stuff, which will actually um, move them forward, decrease that um, stress load that's in their system and move them forward because they won't physically overload as a result of their stress bucket already being full. However, if you're in an emotional low phase and your stress load isn't bursting at the seams, actually some higher intensity activity would be hugely beneficial because then dopamine, in fact, mm -hmm. if you do it with someone else, then you get oxytocin some serotonin there and some endorphins. So all of those things will have a reversal effect on that depressed state. So we can use uh, exercise as a really great um, drug, a really great antidote to either scenario. And this, this is where the, um, I guess it's more of a PT situation than a, than a group situation because at a PT you get to know your clients so much better. Mm. This is where it's important to know your client and to, without, you know, without delving into their personal life, but to be able to work with them effectively in this state, you kind of need to know where that emotional state is, as you say, right, right mm -hmm. now, you know, is the, is the bucket full, in which case you've got, it's got to be restorative or do they need to pick me up? And so let's, let's give them a bit of a high intensity session and they're going to walk away, you know, feeling high and, you know, Remotivated and and so much better. So there's there's obviously um, there's a requirement there for the PT to demonstrate a really professional approach to understanding their emotional state. I think that's really true. And uh, I mean, in in my work and what I what I teach is we do this thing called the body audit. So what that entails is just a series of questions. We have seven, but it can be as little as you know three, but it could be let's say you're working with a group and you just go to the group. Okay. Then who slept, you know, less than six hours last night? How many mm -hmm. hands go up? Um, who has not drunk any water today? Uh, who has not eaten very well today? Who, um, if they, if you were to mark your stress out of 10, 10 being absolutely at maximum, who's scoring above a seven today? So that way, straight away, you don't have to mm. know all the intricate details of their lives, but they're yeah. nice general questions that people don't mind offering. They don't have to tell you why they're stressed, yeah. so, but they can say, yeah, that's my stress load. Because then you can go and go, okay, then allocate a score to each thing. If you score this, you're going to be in group one. And then if you, if you score this, you're going to be in group two. And then you can actually yeah. tailor the same exercises, but to different intensities as a result yeah. of that. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So when it comes to health then, which system uh, do you think is most important for longevity? So I'm going to handball that over to a study. Now, 
Now there's, there's something called the Harvard study and what they did, it ran for 77 years. So what they took um, freshmen in college, I think it was in, in the States and, and from memory, there were several hundred of them. I think it was 500 or maybe it was 700, but it was a lot. And they've studied them and kept in touch with them throughout their lives, literally until they died. And they tracked every element of them. So they knew who, what kind of diets they had. They knew if they smoked. They knew if they were obese. You know, they knew if, what conditions they had along the way. And what was found in that 77-year-long um, study that had four different people that had to run it because, you know, they, yeah. they also had to keep running it. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, they found that the number one indicator for health and longevity was great social connections. Hmm. So not yeah. smoking, not, yeah. not obesity, not certain types of uh, disease, social connection. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a great answer. And I'm actually quite glad to hear that, to be honest. It means that we can all do it. We can all live a long, healthy mm -hmm. life if we have social connections. Um, so what other, what other sort of uh, benefits could exercise professionals take away from this sort of information for their everyday work? So for me, first of all, we, we, we need to be good at that social connection stuff, right? I mean, that is one of the things I know when I went through the, the system, when I was did my very first PT training, um, there was, there was no mention of being a people person and there mm. was no mention of actually just honing whatever innate talent you have to talk to people and really bringing that out. And maybe, maybe we spend a day on doing a few role play things and, and talking about the types of language that work with people and the types of postures that we can adopt when we're with people and what actually may not go down quite so well so that we can actually truly connect with another human being. And then you know, we could call it the advanced course, like day two, would be getting them to connect with each other. Because what, what I've found is that there's two, two elements that will keep a client and neither of them are how good you are at physical training. The, the retention rate mm -hmm. is affected by good social connections and whether they enjoy the sessions. Yeah. So A foster great social connection from you to client but actually if you if you take groups foster connections in the group and that yeah. which isn't that difficult because you can get them working in partner games you can get them working in groups and you'll also you know i do do little things like um what could i say i do this thing called the circle of friends squat as an example okay so i put people in a circle and they're all standing and one will squat and they have to tell you something about them. And it can be, it can be deep or it can be completely superficial. It can be, I like the color brown or something like that. And then they stand up and then the next one sits and says something about themselves. And then the advanced version of that would be everyone is in a squat position and you stand up and say something about yourself. And then it goes around the circle. And the stuff that gets revealed in that is both funny, fascinating, but typically bonds them as a group. Sure. So, so number one, social connection is, is massively important. Um, knowing that we can change a person's emotional state by what we do physically with them. And if we have done something like a body audit before, we know what kind of intensity we can go to. So mm -hmm. 
that would be really, really good. And just, just being aware of, you know, of what's your, what your client's going through that day, not, not necessarily hey, how fit they are, but actually what is their overall stress load um, across the day? Because social connection has got this thing and it, and it, um, so all the, what they call the nerves of social connection hang out in our viscera, how they're connected to our organs, our diaphragm, our lungs, our heart. And what social connection does is it calms those nerves. We are naturally geared to search the world for danger. And what, what we need to, both, to kind of learn and grow, what we need is to feel safe. Because we can't, this is a quote from Gabor Mate, we cannot be in a growth state and simultaneously be in a defensive state. Okay, So if we are on guard, as it were, you can't then take a workout and grow anywhere near as well from it as you could if you're in a, in a disarmed and safe space. So social connection is what brings about that feeling of safety in our nervous system. So therefore, we can be vulnerable. Now, vulnerability is required for us to grow, for us to change. So for us to change and get better, we have to first be vulnerable. You know, we have to expose our weakness, whether that be physically, mentally, emotionally. In this case, it's physical. Our body will not allow us to be vulnerable if it's in a defensive state. So we create safety. How do you create safety? The easiest way from a human being perspective is good social connection. That creates safety. It calms all those nerves all through those areas so that then we get this, okay, then it's safe. You can be vulnerable because you're in a, in a very safe space. So it's, it's just, it's really fascinating stuff from my point of view. I find this really, really fascinating stuff because we spend so long learning about how the body works and how to get a really great response yeah. from yeah. different exercises. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's, um, and you know what, we even see it, you know, in, in our position at FitPro, um, you know, when we're speaking to professionals in the industry, what we hear all the time is we want programming, we want programming, we want programming ideas and concepts, um, rather than often looking for what makes them truly successful as a fitness professional. And it's communication, you know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's got to be key. It's, well, it's got to be first. Um, and then the rest needs to fall into place. So bringing me to my, my last question um, today and um, giving you an opportunity to, to just sort of wrap up with your own thinking about um, the role of the exercise um, industry in people's lives in considering um, these systems. I think really what I want to do is go at its best it will understand that we deal with human beings, not human bodies. Uh, yeah. And that if we are to be truly of service, which is really what our, our industry is all about, is actually serving people. Yeah. If we are to truly be of service to human beings, we have to take them on as one holistic system, which is a series of subsystems that we must have some vague understanding of. And it doesn't really require huge amounts of training. But what it does require is awareness that these things interact and will affect each other. So it's kind of like we've got this mental and emotional and physical system, and we've spent 98% of our learning capacity on the physical. Mm. And really, 
in an ideal world, I would love to see this, this industry go in the direction of the human being and go, okay, then what we're going to do is we are training you to be a, a personal trainer or a sports coach or something like that. So what we're going to do is 50% of that is the physical training. And then we've got 25% on emotional training and 25% on mental training. But we're also going to show you how they all interact with each other. Because if you can take a whole human, you are going to get better results than anyone else out there. Well, that is a, um, a great sentence to finish on, John. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time and your knowledge and your wisdom. Um, go get all your other goals done for the year. And uh, congratulations with that. I know you'll succeed and we want to hear all about it. But um, thank you again. And I hope we speak to you soon. Thanks, Jane. It's always a pleasure. For more information about FitPro education and for details on FitPro membership and insurance, you can visit us at fitpro.com. We hope you enjoy the today's podcast and see you next time.